I'm Dave. And I'm Nancy. And this is Middle-Aged Wisdom. Where we talk about mistakes we've made. Lessons we've learned. And sharing things we think are super cool. So you can get closer to living your best life. Welcome to episode 13 of the podcast, Middle-Aged Wisdom. In today's episode, we thought it would be interesting to share with you all what it's been like for each of us with our respective work experiences, our professional lives. Because Nancy and I have very different jobs in this pandemic. It's been going on for seven months now, going on seven months. And it doesn't look like there's really an end in sight. If you Look back at the what's called known as the Spanish flu, commonly known as, as the Spanish flu from 1918. I once looked this up because I was curious, how long did that last before it kind of was no longer a thing? And turns out it was about three years. Not that we're doom and gloom here. <laughs> <laughs> we're just saying, as leaders, we want you all to think about what if. What if, what if this doesn't end at the end of the year? Yeah, because back in 1918, they didn't have the medical technology with the, the therapies and the medicines and the vaccines to really cure it or make it go away. It We listened to an, an interesting uh, scientific podcast where we come to find out that viruses have a way of mutating over time, and they tend to mutate in a way that makes them less deadly but more contagious. If it was the opposite, they would kind of kill all the hosts and kind of disappear itself. And so anyway, that must have been happening with what the Spanish flu and, and, you know, with the COVID, it's showing signs of mutating. So if you think about three years as like the bookend, what what if it really was that long? Like we've had an experience to date, but like, man, what if you think, if you think through where we're headed, what might you do differently if you really thought out that far with it? As leaders, are you ready for maybe some changes? We have a common thread of pivoting throughout some of our podcasts. Wait, I thought we were done pivoting and changing with this pandemic. I thought that was, uh, the, what more can change? <laughs> we personally, in our office, I think we pivot weekly, if not daily. <laughs> I mean, we're pivoting, we're getting dizzy. I mean, there's so much going we, on. We're full on pivoting and changing. Yes. <laughs> but what if you don't have a choice about it? Right, exactly. No. And so what are you going to do? Um, what ch changes are you going to make? What are you going to do as a leader what are you going to do about your employees if you have employees? There's so much to think about when you have this forward thinking. And so we just want you to all jog your memories a little bit and kind of get your brains in motion as we talk through this podcast. Yeah, and, and sort of share with you some of the things that we've had to deal with and have been thinking through as we look, look back at what it's been like so far and looking ahead at what are some things we need to think about as they come up down the road as more changes may be afoot? Who knows? Okay, so Dave, although I live with you, <laughs> what has this experience been like for you these last six months? Yeah, it's been weird, like it's been for everybody. Uh, just so you all know a little bit about my job, I work for a government agency, and we help uh, the Denver metro region uh, protect people from floods. My background's in civil engineering, so I mostly manage design and construction projects that involve stream restoration and flood control, that kind of stuff. 
So think about when you go down to a really cool water feature and there's a lot of kids dipping their toes in the water and there's lots of rocks to hang out on or maybe a couple is sitting out there, maybe drawing a picture or having a chat or whatever it is. That's what Dave does. The work experience has shifted pretty quickly to working from home. And I remember when we first started working from home in we moved back in March, right when this was hitting. And when the when I first hit, we were in our old home and we didn't have a great office space. And so I found myself just kind of working at the kitchen counter all the time at the oh, kitchen. Oh, we island. should do a podcast about the move during a pandemic, during the first week of the pandemic. Oh my like, God, was... what are we thinking? That, that would actually be really interesting because it was really stressful. That was very stressful. Yes, it was. Anyways, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, at first I, you know, I bought a new monitor and I had my laptop there and most of the work I was doing, I could pretty much do remotely. And very quickly we got set up on Microsoft Teams. And luckily most of the work I do is uh, meetings, which, you know, those kind of all switched to virtual, which was kind of nice because I used to put a lot of mileage on the car. So one like sort of silver lining early on was I was driving a lot less, mm -hmm. which which was really great because all the meetings were virtual and I used to drive to meetings around town wherever the projects I was working on may have been. And it was nice to have you home more. Oh. <laughs> so one of the, I think you would call bad things about working from home is that even though you guys are creators of stormwater and streams and kind of artistic outdoor displays, I would call them, <laughs> <laughs> there is that missing link of being around your coworkers, mm -hmm. right? And so I know that you had some new people start, you weren't able to kind of uh, collaborate with your coworkers a lot. Mm -hmm. to, like what, what's the scoop with that? Yeah, that's been really tough. I and I'm a pretty extroverted sort of guy, so I really thrive on the being around people and having these sort of impromptu interactions. And in some cases, we've had a, a few staff that have gotten hired during this pandemic, and so that's been really interesting with trying to assimilate them into the office culture when they pretty much only have these sort of one-off conversations with individuals via virtual meetings. And then when they are in a group setting, it's always in a virtual format and most of the people might have their camera off. So that's been kind of weird. That's really weird. So to start a new job and then number one, you may or may not know what the person looks like that you're supposed to, I guess it's your, their boss in most cases, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like how tall they are. <laughs> well, what yeah. What color hair they have. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, so I have a project under construction and I organized a site tour and like 15 of my coworkers, we all got together on this big wide open construction site, but everybody's wearing hard hats, vests masks and about two-thirds of us were there and then like one of my coworkers was walking up and he's walking up with this gal who's got all that stuff on and i'm like who in the heck is he walking with i have no idea who this person <laughs> is it's like i didn't think we were inviting like external people and it was like oh crap that's a that's the new gal she's been working with us for like four months already i was like oh my gosh it's such a strange thing yeah, so another sort of part of the experience I had was I applied for a promotion during this experience. Mm -hmm. And that was back in June. And it was a job I was really excited about uh, trying to get. There was, you know, I work in an organization where it's all A players. Everybody stays forever. So the only time there's a promotion available is pretty much when somebody retires. And so this was a really rare opportunity, but I'm, in, I'm competing against three or four other coworkers who are top-notch people. And well, lo and behold, it didn't go my way. And I'm not going to go into detail about it, but 
some things about how it went were pretty unsatisfying for me in various ways that I won't get into. In case one of my coworkers listens to this, I don't want to get myself in trouble. <laughs> but I found that the work from home experience in the aftermath of that, of missing out on a promotion that I was really excited about, it was really hard to process that. Yeah. That's honestly how this podcast started was, I mean, Dave was really um, having a hard time. I mean, he wasn't around the people that he found close to him. He wasn't around his friends. He wasn't around his coworkers. Um, he was experiencing this whole letdown from at home where he had no support except for me, who was just livid. <laughs> about the whole <laughs> she thing. was like more mad than I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was so angry yeah. about the whole thing. But the interesting thing is that he's such an extrovert and we started the podcast because we were trying to do something uplifting and we thought that we would start this in a year or two. And during the pandemic, we just thought we're quarantined. Why, why don't we start it now? Maybe it'll be something really uplifting. And it has been. All of you that listen, you mean so much to us in listening. So I'm just saying that really quickly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a moment where I needed to pivot because I would go into the corner bedroom where the home office is and I would sit in there by myself all day and I would dwell on like how ticked off I was about this whole thing. It was, it was, it made it very difficult to process emotionally that whole thing. How did you get out of it? What was the main thing that you did that you were able to pull yourself out of it? Because there might be a lot of people out there that are going through the same thing. Uh, it just took time. Honestly, it was just time. I, I also had to kind of sort of rethink for myself, what is it, how important was this promotion to me? Is it really that I needed to be managing more people and more money? Did I need a promotion for promotion's sake? Or how meaningful did I find the work I do already? Because where I work is pretty special and I wouldn't be able to recreate it just anywhere. I could get a job somewhere else that's a higher level of responsibility, but it might not do as meaningful a work with as great a people and it may come with its own sort of headaches. And I had to really kind of rethink what mattered most to me. I really did. The grass isn't greener. Sometimes. It could be, but you have to decide that for yourself. So I had to kind of re rethink like what what was meaningful to me, what mattered to me most. And I, and I needed to be patient with myself about that and not. Also, I would say what was helpful was throughout the whole thing, my mentality was don't burn a bridge. You get somebody on on like a virtual call, like don't spout off at them in a way that you're going to regret later because I hadn't figured out exactly what I wanted to do with that experience. That's yeah. good advice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So that was kind of a tough part and it was kind of odd emotionally to deal with that sort of a work experience in a COVID like pandemic kind of environment. But I would say um, a couple of other interesting things that are work related are that, you know, I work for a government agency and, and our funding specifically comes from property taxes. And in the Denver area, those have not gone down. They've just kind of continued to go up. So our funding's pretty steady. But we work with a lot of local governments, like cities and counties, on projects where we bring our money together and go build something. Well, cities and counties, they rely a lot, like their biggest funding source is sales tax. You know, it's the Target, the Costco, Walmart. And when everybody's shopping less, the sales tax revenue for these local governments is going down. Mm -hmm. And so this downstream effect that we're going to have from this pandemic is next year, communities are going to be spending less money on construction projects. Like anything that can wait, that's the stuff that's getting cut. And it's that's going to be interesting six months to 12 months from now 
And then that's going to impact the construction industry. Right. Isn't it interesting how it's a trickle-down effect of everything that we're doing now? Obviously, it's going to affect things later. It's not just the economy in this moment. It's everything that happens later. Yeah, not every cause and effect are directly tied together in time and space. And I think, you know, with some of the government relief bills for people that have been struggling, uh, you know, they, they may have kept people afloat for a period of time, but especially for certain parts of the economy that, the, the jobs are going away, especially like the restaurant industry, say. Yeah. Like those sort of economic impacts are going to like be felt big time really soon. Right. Yeah. Sort of a delayed effect. Yeah. Ugh. It's heartbreaking. Okay. So that's been my work experience during this pandemic. But as we said earlier, Nancy has a very, very different type of job than I do. So, so Nancy, what has been the pandemic experience for you as a dentist? It was really hard. I mean, we were hard hit by everyone. The WHO, the World Health Organization, basically said, do not see your dentist. We had the states and um, counties and pretty much nationwide basically saying it's horrible to go to your dentist right now. Put off anything you possibly can. Don't get your teeth clean. Don't go in. Um, And it was televised and published everywhere. And there was not another single profession that I can think of that had that type of um, being singled out. Just like that dramatic. It is like, you guys are, you guys are done. You guys, you guys are sitting out. Right. And I don't know anything else. So in the beginning, we were um, called upon to give our PPE. So our masks and stuff. And I think I talked about, I'm having deja vu. So I feel like I talked about this in a different podcast. But all of our masks and such, they said, here's the spot that you drop them off at. Um, We need anything that you can possibly give us. So that left us with basically nothing. I mean. Yeah. So like basically the state health department, was it? Was that what it it was? was. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it was like what back in the spring. So it was, I mean, it was the first week of March. Yeah. Right when we moved. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anybody who's got PPE, Mm -hmm. pony up, like you need to. You need to donate because back, if you remember, like they couldn't find enough gowns and masks for hospitals. All of it. I mean, so it was like frontline workers. And I get it. I mean, I'm not saying that that shouldn't have happened. I get it. But it went on way too long. So back in in March and April, you're pretty much forced to shut down. Mm -hmm. They took all your PPE. What, What happened with your staff? How long were you guys down? I mean, like you were closed. Right. Yeah. We closed March 17th, I remember, because it was St. Patrick's Day, and usually it's a very festive time in our office. We have these goofy props, and I usually make the girls wear some sort of stupid hat or (laughs) headband with shamrocks on or something like that, and there was none of that. And so from that point on, we just start canceling people one by one. It ended up being that over the course of two months, we canceled about a 1,000 people. Mm. So think about the rescheduling for that. It's Mm. been kind of a nightmare. Mm. We had to decide what to do with staff because we knew that at that time, PPP loan and the all the government funding wasn't out just yet. So we were just banking on whatever money we had in our bank account and hoping that it would get us through. And we still had bills. We still had our rent to pay. We still had residual bills from the month of March that, you know, come due at the end of the month. So it wasn't like everything was all paid and we just shut down and it's an even break. I mean, we still have bills coming in. So we had to make a really tough decision about the staff. Um, We got guidance from our consultant and from 
our accountant who's also in dental. So he hears a lot of the dental side. And the advice was that we should let everybody be on furlough and basically lay them off at the moment. Because that allowed them to get unemployment? Get unemployment, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you ha we had to look out for them because we knew that we wouldn't have a business whenever this was over to come back to if we didn't put lay them off at that time. So you had to lay off your entire staff. Mm -hmm. And a thing that I think is very tangible and important about the story is that, you know, like government stimulus and all that stuff, it's, you know, there's there's a lot of different opinions about it. And, and, and yeah, it's like taking out debt that future generations will need to be repay. At the same time, if businesses go as long as what Nancy was just describing, eventually they break mm -hmm. and they are gone. Right. And if the stim if there is our funding stimulus and incentives that the federal government puts out, it can be enough to like sustain some of these businesses. And then overall, hopefully that means the economy is better overall than if that business broke. Right. And that's kind of the sort of the quandary we're in. But it takes this yeah. it takes the smart leadership though to make that happen because I do feel like there have been businesses that have received government funding mm -hmm. and they may not have handled it accordingly. Mm -hmm. If you saw the um, paperwork that we had assigned, you can't use the money for an abortion. You can't. <laughs> I mean, this is real. Sorry it, to laugh, but no. I'm like, I didn't know that. Like, really? Yes. You can't use the money for a divorce. You can't use the money to vacation. I mean, stupid stuff that in our right minds, we're like, what in the heck are but you thinking? There must be somebody somewhere that did something stupid like that with exactly. government funding, but they're like, oh, oh, oh we're going to put a rule in there for that. Right. It would, I mean, I don't even remember how many pages it was, but it was page after page after page of stuff like that to read through. Yeah. And then I said, okay, I, I'm getting that if I use this for my business, I'm good. And they're like, yeah, just use it for your business. I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. <laughs> like this is the craziest okay. thing ever. Yes, done. So you really wanted to look out for your staff and, and it actually benefited them to lay them off because you guys weren't going to be able to pay them anyway because you'd run out of money pretty right. quickly because mm -hmm. if there's no money coming in, right. you know, the bank account just runs out. Right. Uh, you wanted there to be jobs for them when they came back. So you, you really wanted to take care of your, your staff. Mm-hmm. You wanted to make sure you took care of your patients. So mm -hmm. you were closed for two months, right? Right. Two months. So then when you were able to come back, what what was it that made it so both your patients and your staff felt comfortable coming to the office? It was still scary. I mean, it's still scary now. Right. So I was recently asked to be a guest on another podcast, and this was one of the themes, was what did you do during covid that made you still able to have a job currently, like right now that's thriving. And that was one of our, our questions. And here's the scoop. When you have a relationship with your patients, I know their kids, I know where they like to vacation, I know if they have another house somewhere, I know where their family lives, um, I know if their grandparents, what their grandkids' ages are. I might have lost track, but I know that they have grandkids and how many there are. And when you have that type of relationship, luckily, they come back to yeah. you, right? And so I think if we were just another business that maybe didn't care about the relationship side of it, that maybe we just clean teeth and get them in, get them out and as quickly as possible, and we didn't really care, 
then it may not have been so good for us. Mm -hmm. um, but we did have a system. We used like text messages to keep everybody alert and abreast of what we were doing. Um, we used emails. Of course, the girls did go in. Um, there, were, there were two people we did not lay off, and it was the two front desk gals um, because they had to cancel a thousand people <laughs> and explain to them what was going on and where we were at and our protocols and all that kind of stuff. Fast forward, when we're coming back during that whole time, we had to figure out how to make it safe because we didn't know either. So we had to figure out what kind of protection do we need. And in saying that, I'm proud to say that there hasn't been a single noted transmission from dentist to patient or from patient to dentist. And I think it's because we've always been so careful. And this is just, I mean, we've gone through flu season every year. Oh my gosh, flu season. I wore a level one mask during flu season for the last how many years? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, 13, 14, 15 years. Mm -hmm. I've worn a level one mask. Yeah. Um, knock on wood. I've only gotten it once. So as far as being safe goes, yeah, we've added PPE. I mean, we've added N95s. We wear an overlay mask. We wear a face shield. We wear goggles. We have a gown that gets washed after every patient. We have a hair bonnet. We have shoes that we leave at the office. We have air purifiers in every operatory. So many changes, but... The core part of that is that we've always been safe. Yeah, you made it a point to make sure your staff felt safe right. to come back, mm -hmm. that you were going to spend the money on the extra money on all that PPE. Right. And one of Nancy's sort of uh, things she did during that two months when they were down was she became a really good hunter gatherer of PPE, where to where to find it because it was hard to come by for a while. But then also how to make the patients feel safe. And her PPE was so much different that I made her let me shoot a little, film a little video of her with a side-by-side -side and the split screen showing her old PPE pre-pandemic and her pandemic PPE because it's it's kind of funny when you look at it side-by-side. -side. I think it took two minutes to do the new PPE and about 15 seconds to do the old PPE, mm -hmm. PPE, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're waiting and someone's staring at you getting dressed... <laughs> Because the patients watch us as we're putting all of our layers on because we don't leave the room with our dirty stuff on, which is mm -hmm. another new thing. Um, and so gone are the days of being able to sit and have a conversation with your patient without a mask and have them see your face and actually, you know, be able to have a conversation like that. Those days are gone. And mm -hmm. um, I don't know if they will ever come back. So as you look forward, mm -hmm. uh, what what is it that you're thinking through from a leadership standpoint, it's like we we don't know how this is going to play out the next 6 to 12 months, but all things being considered, we probably are going to be in the same boat, maybe worse, mm -hmm. maybe better, but... Mm. Well, we still have these residual effects, right? And that's why I always say the word pivot, because every week we're changing things. We have people that are still afraid to come in. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting because our elderly population they're knocking down our doors to get in. It's so interesting. Um, so we have those, we have the people that are afraid. We have the people that, um, and this is standard for us, that if you have a headache or you're not feeling 100% or you have a slight fever, you have the sniffles, whatever it is, because any of those can be COVID. Do not come uh, here. <laughs> so Yeah. So, I mean, that's really hard, too, is that yeah. every single day somebody, at least one person calls, if not multiple people call and say, I'm not feeling well this morning. I know I confirmed last night, but I don't feel well. And, of course, we're not going to have them come in. I mean, that's part of protocol is you stay home if you don't feel well. 
Um, and most of the time those people come out negative and it's just allergies or something like that, but we still have to be cautious and definitely have mm -hmm. those people stay. Yeah. Um, so as we're looking ahead, we have to be able to change our mindset that this may stay the way it is and we have to be okay with it. So our schedule changes. Um, I know that we've been looking a lot at different doctor schedules and alternating schedules. Now, the interesting thing for dentistry that a lot of people probably don't understand is that we thrive on our six month cleanings, right? That sets our schedule for the next six months. And so from March, that leads us into September. So when we closed March 17th, that means around September 17th, we didn't have a single person booked, right? Because they didn't come in for their appointment and they didn't get scheduled either, which means September, October, November are basically blank slates. So imagine going to work and realizing this in June and saying, oh my goodness, we don't have a single patient booked. Thank goodness we had awesome consultants that made us think about that ahead of time that have that forward thinking. Because if we didn't, we wouldn't be working right now. Yeah. I don't even know. There are so many dental practices right now that don't have anybody to see because they didn't look ahead. Yeah, that's so weird because of those two months you were down, mm -hmm. you had to think six months past those. But then once you came back, then you're scheduling people for six months out. And so it kind yeah. of picks back up in like December, January. But Right. get this weird lull but because you guys were thinking ahead right. like like wait a second like let's look downstream of this like what's right. going on so although november and december don't look as amazing as a typical november december usually those are our busiest months because people are trying to get their insurances done for the end of the year mm -hmm. but it doesn't look the same this year it looks really different and so that means that some people might have less hours um I, I've cut my schedule substantially um, in order to make other people able to get their hours. So it's been constant change and constant turning it all around and really looking for those opportunities. Well, I hope everybody's found it interesting to get a glimpse into what our respective work experiences have been like as for me as an engineer and Nancy as a dentist. And None of us knows how this all is going to play out. You know, when I, when we started this episode, I mentioned how, you know, kind of three years is like the really worst case bookend for at least the pandemic, but it doesn't, we're so far into this, like, just don't count on things going back somehow to the way they were pre-pandemic. We're well beyond some sort of band-aid stage. It's like some of these changes are, are kind of permanent. And so how do you make the best of this and look to the future? to exhibit leadership and look for opportunities to make the best of this and to not be surprised when six months from now the pandemic's not done and what are you going to do with yourself and you know me i'm a really positive person and i know we're going to get through this i know there is light at the end of this tunnel so stay with us stay with each other keep caring about each other and looking out for each other and seek the opportunities because we are positive that they're out there.